Our uh, <clears throat> scripture reading, our second scripture reading today comes to us from the book of Ruth. We're going to look at chapter 1 and read verses 6 through 22. You can find that on page 411 of your pew Bibles. <clears throat> Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 through 22. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the, Lord show you may the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Thus ends our reading of God's holy word. May all who hear it have their eyes open to all the blessings that God has put around them. Christopher was angry. He was angry at God. So angry that he wrote himself a little letter. These are the words that he penned. I just feel so dead. I am so torn up inside. Worthless. Believing lies and feeling incapable of believing truth. 
but I just have to. I am desperate, angry. I need God, yet I feel extremely angry at God. I feel hopeless. This battle never ends. I just want to die. Just nine months prior, Christopher had lost his mother due to a car accident. Full of confusion and pain, this man didn't know what to do or even how to, how to live. But what he did know was where to direct his anger. And he focused his anger straight towards heaven. We are now in our second week of this short but powerful book entitled Ruth. And if you recall from last week, we were introduced to this family from Bethlehem. There was a husband whose name was Elimelech. He had a wife named Naomi. And they had two sons, Malon and Kilion. But a famine had struck the land, and, and so this family decided to travel to Moab, to enemy territory, in order to survive. And while they did find food there, they also encountered a string of unfortunate events while they were in the land. Elimelech died, as well as their two sons, leaving Naomi a widow and without anyone to take care of her. We don't know why they died or, or how these deaths occurred, just that they were now dead. And yet these tragic events left Naomi abandoned in a foreign nation. She had no one whom she could turn to, no one to look after her. And yet not all was lost, as two of her sons, these two sons, married two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. Two daughter-in-laws who were, at the same time, sharing in Naomi's grief. This sad beginning, it really sets the stage for the rest of this book. For what we will see next is, are, are the intimate details as, as we become more acquainted with these characters. We will begin to, to discover who this Naomi is. And we will get to, get to know Orpah. We will get to know Ruth. This story is about to come to life. But the other thing that we talked about last week were the themes that we'll find as we go through this story. And, and the first theme that we talked about was God's providence. How, how he is in control over the normal and everyday details of life as he works out his own purposes. And then we talked about the Hebrew word hesed, which is a steadfast love, a love that we will discover to be consistent throughout the people that we encounter in this narrative. And lastly, we spoke of God's redeeming purpose, how he desires to restore the family lineage of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. And it is these three things that we should be paying close attention to as we continue throughout this journey. And so today, we, we will get our first glimpse into the lives of, of three of these characters, these 
three widows who, who suffered great loss. There is Naomi, the, the bitter one. Then there is Orpah, the, the, the sensible one. And finally, there is Ruth, the sacrificial one. And there is something that we can learn from each of these three women. Let's, let's see what that something is. Let's look at verses 6 and 7. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Naomi had now somehow received news that that Yahweh, the the God of her people, had given food to the Israelites once again. The famine was now over, and Bethlehem could once again be rightly called the house of bread. And this is really the the, the first time in this story that that we have seen God acting favorably towards his people. And Naomi, she she understood that it was God who had restored the land. That that through his common grace, he had blessed both the poor and the rich alike. He was the one who sent the rain. And he was the one who, who kept the locusts at bay. Well, with this good news, Naomi decided to turn her eyes once again towards Israel. So she began her journey back to to her hometown of Bethlehem. This uh, abandoned and grieving widow was now returning home. But she was not returning as she would like. For she was without her husband. She was without her two sons. And I have to wonder if in her mind this wasn't a true return. For, For she was not going back to what she once had. She, she was not going back to the life that she had remembered and experienced. And she was not going alone. For her two daughters-in-law had decided to journey with her. Let's read further to see what happens next. Look at verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. Now these two women, Orpah and Ruth, they did not have to make this journey. There was no requirement requirement upon them to remain with Naomi. They could have returned to their mother's homes and found new husbands without any questions being asked. Furthermore, they they knew that going with Naomi was a lost cause. For going with her was, was likely to be a sacrifice for them. And yet their willingness to, to go with this woman demonstrated how much they both loved her. They, they were both willing to forego their own futures, their, their, their own happiness, because they cherished this woman so much. They were acting as true daughters. 
Well, Naomi, she saw the kindness of these women, and I'm sure it comforted her heart to know how much they cared for her. But that's just it. Naomi loved these women, and she did not want to see them throw away their lives for her. And and so as they were on their way, she said to them, go back. Go back to the homes of your mothers. Find new husbands. Yes, the kindness, this Hesed love that, that, that you have already shown to me, that you have already shown to my dead sons, it's enough. I require nothing of you. You see, Naomi had a Hesed love for, for these two women, for these two daughters. And she knew that, that the best thing for them was to go back home, even if they didn't realize that. And so she kissed them goodbye, telling them that they must part ways. Well, this kiss led to many, many tears amongst the three. I mean, after their years together, this, there, there was great heartache in this parting. I mean, most likely they would never see one another again. And, and yet Naomi knew that this is what must be done, that both Orpah and Ruth would be better off because of it. But that's not what these women wanted to hear. And so they pushed back. We will go with you to your people. Well, Naomi was ready for such a response. Look at verses 11 through 13. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. Naomi should have been a lawyer, huh? I mean, here she makes this solid case of why they should go back home. I mean, why would you come with me? In other words, the the, the emotional ties are not a good enough reason to give up on your future happiness. After all, am I going to have any more sons? Sons who could become your husbands? I myself have no husband. Not to mention I'm past the age of bearing children. In other words, I cannot provide for you what you need. And then to prove her point, she comes up with this absurd scenario of her getting pregnant that very night. You know, even if that happened, how would that work out for them? Would they be willing to wait until these new sons grew up to be men? Of course not. Her logic was flawless. I mean, why pass up on the opportunity that they had in Moab for something that would not happen, that could not happen unless God somehow intervened? Their best chance for marriage, their best chance for a life of happiness lied in Moab and not in Bethlehem. But if that wasn't enough, Naomi then added this. Look, Look at the end of verse 13. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. 
It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. In this last statement, Naomi reveals her true heart. She believes that that Yahweh's love has, has left her. And whether justly deserved or not, she has become the enemy of God. And in her mind, she, she didn't believe that God was done with her yet. She, she didn't believe that God would relent, that, that he had planned more mischief for her return to Bethlehem. No, it, it, would, it would be better for these two daughters to go back to Moab rather than to be swallowed up in her curse. And here's the thing, Naomi was correct in her assessment. That it was God's hand that had gone out against her. She rightly understood that all things happen according to the will of Yahweh. But what she failed to understand, what, what she failed to grasp in her complaint was this. That God's good purpose, that his hesed love were behind those actions. And because she could not see this, she had bitterness, bitterness in her heart, a bitterness towards her God. And she was now using that bitterness as an argument to persuade these young women to go back home. How would they respond? Look at verse 14. At this, they they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Once again, we see weeping. This love that they had for one another was immense, for sure. And there would be true loss no matter what they decided to do. But it it was Orpah who, who took the first step. Previously, it was Naomi who had given the goodbye kiss, but now here it is Orpah who who was kissing Naomi. This was a signal that that both of these women were finally in agreement. And we should not criticize Orpah for for doing what she did, for, for she was being an obedient daughter. She was following wise counsel. She she left her beloved mother and headed back home knowing even though it hurt knowing that it was the right thing to do. She was making the sensible choice. But Ruth, on the other hand, did not kiss Naomi goodbye. Rather, we see this description of her clinging to her mother-in-law. In stark contrast to her sister-in-law, Ruth would not budge. Now this word cling is the same word that we find in Genesis 2, verse 24. It reads this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. This word united could also be translated as cling. He will cling to his wife. This is a covenantal word that our author's using. 
It it implies a lifelong loyalty, a a deep affection. It's leaving one family in order to join another family. Ruth was now committed to abandoning her people and joining Naomi's people. And this is exactly what we see expressed in the following verses. Look at, look at verses 15 through 17. Look, said Naomi, your, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and, and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. It's now Ruth's turn to be the lawyer. To to make her case. And the first thing she said was, don't urge me to leave. In other words, I have made up my mind. And you are making it all the more painful each time you try to convince me to turn back. You you see, for, for Ruth, going back was not going towards something but away. For her heart was with Naomi. Her her true love was with her mother-in-law. And that is why she would remain by her side. If Naomi decided to move forward, then then Ruth would walk that same path. If Naomi decided to rest and to set up camp, then Ruth would stop in her tracks and help her to pitch her tent. Whether in going or in staying, Ruth would remain true to this woman. But more than this, for, for now, Naomi's people would become Ruth's people. And Naomi's God would become Ruth's God. Even though at that moment, Naomi was not really on good terms with her God. In essence, Ruth was renouncing her heritage. She was renouncing her gods, all for the sake of Naomi. From now on, she would be an Israelite and not a Moabite. From now on, she would worship Yahweh, the God of Israelite. And if that wasn't enough, Ruth was willing to take it beyond this life. For she was willing to die away from her her homeland. She was willing to be buried on foreign soil. She would now and forever be an Israelite. Her argument was made, but in order to emphasize it, she then swore an oath to Yahweh. Naomi, may the curse that that you think that you are now under be upon me if I ever abandon you. Dear friends, What we see in Ruth is neither the the bitterness of Naomi nor the sensibility of Orpah, but a sacrificial love that thinks only about the other person. A a love that cares not for, for, for oneself. You see, Ruth was willing to take on this uncertain future. 
A future that might be full of misery and misfortune. A future where she might face prejudice and, and, and loneliness. A future that, that, that would most likely be a future of impoverishment and without a husband. And all because of her hessed love for her mother-in-law, Naomi. Yes, what Ruth chose was risky. But it was not a risk in her eyes. For even if her life would be filled with despair, the one whom she loves the most would be taken care of. And to Ruth, that was all that mattered. How would Naomi respond? Look at verse 18. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Naomi saw the resoluteness in Ruth's eyes and she gave up. She would not change her mind. And so Naomi just conceded the argument. And so the two of them journeyed on towards Bethlehem. And then one day they arrived there. Look at verse 19. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? They had finally arrived at Bethlehem and, and the townspeople were stirred with excitement. And all because of the return of this Israelite daughter. Can this be Naomi? Is this really the woman, the woman who left us 10 years ago? Has she really come back to us? You see, for them, this was a, a joyous occasion. It was a time to celebrate. For this daughter of Abraham, who once was lost, is now found. Can this be Naomi? And yet for Naomi, her return was not a thing to celebrate. Look at, look at verses 20 and 21. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Naomi was in no mood for a party. For, for when she had left, she was full, but upon her return, she was empty. She had lost not only her husband, but her two sons as well. And this is why she no longer wanted to be called Naomi. For Naomi means pleasant. It means lovely. And that was no longer who she was. Rather, she was Mara, which means bitter. Yes, Mara was a more fitting name. But the reason she was now Mara was because the Almighty had made her life in other words, she was blaming God. She, she blamed the Almighty. 
For she rightly understood that God is sovereign and that the faith that had fallen upon her could come from no other source. El Shaddai. That's the word that's used here. God Almighty. He could have prevented her suffering, but he had chosen not to. And in one sense, we can, we can applaud Naomi's honesty. Like other biblical writers, like, like Job and like David, she was speaking true to her emotions. She did not hold back what she really felt. But also like Job and also like David, she needed to grow in her understanding of God's purposes and of his Hesed love for her. You see, despite her misfortunes, despite all the losses that she had suffered, she was now surrounded by a Hesed love that had come from both Orpah and even more so from Ruth. And yet Naomi was blind to that love. She was so consumed in her own misery and in her own bitterness that, that it was as if Ruth wasn't even there. This poor, poor widow would never see the love of God until she would learn to open her eyes and finally take notice of the servant that, that God had placed right before her. Until she would finally take notice of Ruth. How, how often do we as Christians struggle with this same bitterness that Naomi felt? We suffer a, a major loss and our, and our hearts are black towards God. For we know that, that he could have prevented all of this. We, and we know that, that he is allowing us to feel this pain. And it seems cruel. It, it seems hurtful. And yet, the bitterness that we feel it can consume us to the point where we fail to take notice of all the blessings that God has surrounded us with. Blessings such as friends and family. Blessings such as his church body. Listen, you may be hurting and you may be angry at God. But that does not mean that, that, that you are without the Hesed love that God has to offer. He knows that you are not built to go through this alone. And he has placed his servants in your life for a reason. Just as he placed Ruth into the life of Naomi. Christopher, that, that man who had lost his mother and was angry at God, he also had a friend. A friend who was right there by his side. Listen to this note that his friend wrote to him. If you ever come to the place where you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. And if you can't even crawl and you are on the ground and all you can do is look at Christ, then look with all your heart, soul, and mind. That is okay to be there. Just never take your eyes away from Christ. 
Dear friends, what you see in Ruth is only a glimpse of the Hesed love that you can experience from your Heavenly Father. For He has given you another servant, the greatest servant of all, His Son, Jesus Christ. For more than any other, He was willing to sacrifice everything He had for the people He loved. For He had left His heavenly throne in order to become a lowly man. He was willing to become a slave to the many. And he took on the reproach of a shameful death as he paid the penalty for your sins. And he did all of this because of his hesed love for his people. Because of his hesed love for you. Today, if you are bitter towards God, if you are angry at the Almighty, know this. The suffering that you are currently going through, it cannot compare to the Hesed love, to the sacrificial love that Jesus has for you. And as we continue throughout this book, it is my hope that you will see this love in clearer and clearer ways. And we see a glimpse of this in our last verse. For it's there that we get a hint of the goodness that God was about to bring Naomi's way. Look at verse 22. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. This worn and weary widow had arrived in Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. And our author hints to us that, that things are, are not going to get worse, but they are going to get better. The famine that had caused all this misery in the first place was now over, and the barley harvest had just begun. The, the timing of Naomi's return was not a coincidence. And there was good all around her, including this daughter-in-law named Ruth. And all Naomi had to do was open up her eyes in order to see it. Let us pray. Father, just like Naomi, we are worn and we are weary. We harbor bitterness because of the losses that we have felt. And too often we direct our bitterness towards you. Help us to repent. Help us to open our eyes that we might see the goodness that is all around us. That we might discover your hesed love that you are bringing our way. Father, we can only see this through the power of your Holy Spirit. So give us eyes of faith and give us hearts of surrender. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.